Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. This is episode 186, The Art of Godly Confrontation. Do you like to be confronted? I didn't hear one hand go up. It's one of the challenges of podcasting is I can't see the audience, but I can't fathom that there was one person who raised their hand and said, yes, I love to be confronted. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some of you who would say that they like confrontation, but they want it on their terms where they're the ones that are doing the confronting. But I would bet that the majority of us just would prefer never to have a confrontation ever in our lives. <laughs> we would just prefer life to just be peaceful and everybody to do exactly what they need to do so there was no need to confront. But that's not life, is it? It's, it's not going to be this side of heaven. We are going to be confronted. Sometimes we're going to be confronted about Issues that we really have that need to be addressed. Sometimes we're going to be confronted about issues that somebody thinks we've got that we really don't have. And we may also do that to others. Confrontation is a way of life, even though so many spend so much time trying to avoid it. Today's story is my absolute favorite story in all of God's Word about godly confrontation between two human beings. The end of the book of Job is quite effective on godly confrontation <laughs> with God being the one confronting. But as we have walked for, I don't know, last few months, through the stories of David in 1 Samuel, 1st and then 2nd Samuel, looking at David from the point when he was anointed to be the future king of Israel to David knowing that the power was the Lord's and fighting against Goliath and seeing God give the victory to playing music in Saul's kingdom and Saul being comforted by the beautiful music that David played to the next thing we know, David is running for his life because Saul is jealous of him. We have followed David through so many ups and downs. And most recently we've been talking about the most obvious sinful event in the life of David, that being his at least one night stand with the neighbor's wife, Bathsheba. We've talked about that. We've talked about the abuse of power. Here he was. He was where he wasn't supposed to be as king. He was he looks out, he sees this beautiful woman, and instead of turning his head and going, God, please take that thought out of my mind, he sends messengers to find out who she is. He finds out who she is. He calls and says, bring her to me. They take her, and he takes her. 
And uh, we find out in last week's lesson that Bathsheba sends word and says, I'm pregnant. And because Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, had been hard at work at war on behalf of David, we know that it's not his. It's David's. And so then David continues in this sinful whirlwind and calls Uriah back from the battle, trusting that he's going to go home. He's going to have sex with his wife, and then the baby can be claimed to be his. But Uriah was such the honorable man, and he came back. He's like, I can't do that. And so he sleeps, not at his house. Then David tries to get him drunk and get him to go home, and he still doesn't do it. And finally, David sends with Uriah his own death warrant, and Joab makes sure that Uriah is killed in battle. And at the very end of 2 Samuel 11, so let's go, go back there just to refresh ourselves from the very end. Verse 26, it says, When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. How romantic. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. So we know just from the natural length of pregnancy that this has been at least over nine months that David has been living in this sin. He still has not approached the Lord and confessed his sin. We have no idea, as we were talking last week, we don't know how much Bathsheba knows. She knows her husband was killed. Does she know that David signed his death warrant? Like, we, we don't know. Some of those questions that I just wonder. But God, God doesn't confront us when we sin the first time, usually. There are some times that God allows us to heap up consequences on ourselves before he kind of lays down the law. And today we are going to see my favorite godly confrontation in Scripture. And even though this godly confrontation was done by a mere mortal, the prophet Nathan, you can see that this was the Lord's manner. The Lord could have spoken from heaven and said, David, my son, you have sinned. Like, God has every possible way to get our attention. But he chose to use Nathan, and he chose a story. So let's just read along. Most of you have heard this before, but I don't care if you heard it 10 minutes ago. It is still an amazing account to see how this story draws David in. David has no idea that this story is about him. He gets so upset at the vile man and what the vile man has done. And then he finds out the vile man is himself. 2 Samuel 12, starting in verse 1. 
So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. So we know where the story came from. It came from God. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And the, the punchline, so to speak. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. If that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says, because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. And God did. What a story and what a moving portrayal of what it's like to be so blinded to your own sin that you can hear a story about yourself and not recognize that the mirror is pointed toward you. As I said at the beginning, most of us really do not like confrontation on either direction. And when it comes to confronting someone because of their sin, there's not many people in the world that feel comfortable with that. But it's necessary. It is something that as we as God followers walk on this earth, we're going to have to confront others because if we don't, who will? Nathan, the prophet Nathan, is not around every corner for God to use to get people's attention. And God doesn't choose to speak from heaven or speak from a burning bush. He did that. He has done that, but he chooses not to do that the majority of time. Who God chooses to use is you and I. He chooses to use us human beings to sit down with somebody face to face 
And whether we are given a story such as Nathan was that draws the listener in and then delivers the punchline, or whether God just speaks directly through you and calls out sin in the life of another, the method is up to God. The obedience is on us. I want you to think. Think about your own life. Our weekly assignment feature is this. Determine whether there is someone in your life you need to confront in a godly manner. It may be someone at work. It may be someone at church. It may be someone in your neighborhood. Just the thought of it causes anxiety inside of me. I will admit that right now. And I don't even have a particular person in mind. It's not like I saw a face and I just, my anxiety started churning, but I don't like confronting other people. I sometimes am pretty good at it, but I don't like it. And I don't think I ever will. Because it hurts. It's going to hurt the other person. Now, it may hurt them in order to heal them, or it may hurt them in order to heal a situation or a relationship, but it is going to hurt when it sinks in that God is not pleased. So, I've just decided for this week, 12 verses and a short podcast are enough because the message is clear. Sometimes we are going to be in the place of David and you may not, you may, may go, well, I haven't killed anybody. Well, have you hated someone? So, you know, think about, but we all sin. We all sin, and we all need to be confronted at times. So sometimes we're going to be in the shoes of David, and we're going to be the one that needs some godly confrontation. We're going to see next week in verse 13 how David responds. We've seen in other chapters back earlier in the podcast when someone was confronted in a godly manner, But instead of receiving it, confessing their sin, and turning to the Lord, they just got angry and pretty much said, you don't know what you're talking about, and things just got worse. If someone has confronted you recently, or someone confronts you as you're still thinking about this, Take a moment and step back. Many years ago, I was listening to Dr. Charles Stanley, who just turned 90 years of age. I thank God for him. But I was listening to a sermon on criticism and praise and how to receive each of them. But when he talked about criticism, he talked about the fact that not all of it's valid. And as a pastor, he would definitely have received 
more than his fair share of criticism. But God can use even confrontation and criticism that is not in a godly manner to change us in a godly way. So ask the Lord, is there any nugget of truth in this? Is there something I need to do? There may or may not be, but be humble enough to take it to the Lord. But is there somebody you need to confront this very day that you need to get down on your knees and beg God for him to open up their spiritual eyes and ears, to soften their heart, and to give you the words? And then may you be obedient. Because as we see in the response of David, as we look next week, what a difference Nathan made in the history of the world. Because David is one of the most important figures in all of history, not just even of the Israelites, in all of human history. And Nathan was a part of that turning point in David's life. May you have the courage to be a Nathan, to confront in a godly manner and trust the Lord with the final results. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can check out our Facebook page at Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. You can check out our Instagram, same name. You can email me at encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. I would love to hear how you applied this or if you just have questions or concerns. Next week we will talk about David's response and one of the most referred to passages in scripture when it has to do with children. So I hope to quote, see you next week. You can share this. Remember you can share. It's free to listen to. It's free to share. And just remember it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm -hmm.